Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Marilyn. So funny, I'm a lot shorter than some of the other people who have come up here. I'm behind this podium, but um, I'm Miriam. I'm a compulsive overeater, and it's so funny because um, before I got abstinent, my abstinence date is November 1st, 1998, and I have um, type 1 diabetes, and um, I couldn't stop eating. And I ended up here. But let me tell you that I was here six years before that. Hanging out, doing the best I could before I truly got abstinent and was willing to do steps 4 through 12 and things really started to change. But I'm thinking, gosh, you know, I was intimidated coming here. This is like a performance type of meeting. Yikes, you know. And I used to be a performer. That's ironic. And um, when I was really into my disease, I was really about performing. And don't you know who I am? And I remember um, being in my disease. I'm nervous still. Being in my disease, and uh, I got money in high school. And I used that money to pay a voice coach to train me how to sing, opera, and perform, and all that. And then it's so funny because I was not humble at all. And now I'm here in program. Life is completely different. And I'm very humble. Very, very humble. And almost scared to be in front of people. It's a weird thing. Things are shifting. Um, but anyway, let me tell you how it was. Uh, being type 1 diabetic, I was diagnosed with diabetes at 9, and, um, and I'm, still, I'm still doing writing on this. It came, something came up where I was writing on it just recently. And then it hit me, you know, for a 9-year-old to be put on a diet and told that she could never eat sugar again um, and be put on insulin, and all of a sudden, my entire 24-hour conscious thought was food and what I can't eat, and what I can't eat, and all the family members are watching me eat, and um, it sucked, man, excuse my language, but it really was a hell, and here's the thing, too, like, normal people, normal, whatever that is, if you tell a normal person, oh, you know, you have to do this to take care of your health, perhaps, I don't know, I only have myself to go by, you know, if they say, if you eat these things, you could pretty much have problems. You know, you could lose a leg, you could lose your sight, you know, whatever. You would think, okay, I won't do it. Well, my wiring is messed up. And my experience has been with this program that it doesn't matter the money you come from, if you do. doesn't matter the education. My cousin died of this disease. She had a Ph.D. She got type 1 diabetic with bulimia, died at 40, you know. Very smart. She came from, none of that mattered. None of this matters if you've got the disease. If you've got it, for me, the only thing that's going to fix me is the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. And to tell you the truth, when I'm scared, because I still get scared, you know, 16 plus years later, I still get scared, I take a big book with me. Or I take the 12 and 12 and I go, okay, God wants me here. What does God want me to do? So, anyway, I'll give you an example of what it used to be like. And... I was 175, I'm a little person, I'm 5 feet tall, 5 feet 1, 175, 25 pounds away from 200, and I used to binge, 
you know, as, as someone shared earlier, I couldn't not eat. I could not eat. I would try. I'd go, okay, I'm going to look at the clock, and I'm going to go 15 minutes without eating. And I'd go, okay, 15 minutes passed. I didn't eat. So I guess I'm okay. I was hospitalized twice for this disease. Um, because being diabetic, your blood, sugar, blood sugars are out of control, and they were, and I was heavy. You know, I was about, oh, I fluctuated about 5 pounds, 6 pounds. I was about 40 to 45 pounds heavier. Um, sometimes it's 38 pounds, but you know what? I'm, I'm a mom now. I work. I don't exercise like I used to. It's fine. It's not an issue. Um, but anyway, and, you know, I was hospitalized, and I remember being a certain, you know, with this weight, I was like 159, okay? And within that week, I lost seven pounds. I'm in a hospital. I'm on like 1,100 calories a day, and I'm exercising twice a day, and I lost seven pounds or whatever it was. And I remember thinking to myself, well, it's possible so I can do this. It happened, so I must be able to do it. So from that point on, and I was 14, I think I was 14, from that point on, I chased that. Okay, I'm going to lose weight. And if you see the difference between me being 11 and 12, my mother watched my food. Um, she watched everything I ate. And I thought I was fat when I was 10. I wasn't. See, that's the head, right? Thinking I'm fat, but I'm really not. I was like a regular weight. Um, and then 10 years old hit, and I went to junior high. Here's the irony. I was the first group of sixth graders to go to middle school because they decided the busing was happening, and they moved the sixth graders to middle school. I'm a sixth grade teacher now, okay? So it's like, how weird is that? But anyway, so I was, you know, sixth grade, and then my mother stopped watching my food. All of a sudden, at sixth grade, it's kind of like, okay, we've educated Miriam enough on her diabetes, you know, and it was only through the steps that I learned that my parents were actually pretty loving, wonderful parents. Until I had worked the steps, I blamed my mother for everything. I blamed her for everything. Poor Miriam. And I had a lot of entitlement, which did not serve me. And I learned that through the steps. So, anyway... 11 years old comes, and I gained about 65 pounds that year because finally it was like, let me at it. No one's watching. Now I can eat what I want. No one's going to know. And I gained a lot of weight. And I remember seeing a picture of myself in seventh grade going, who is that monster? Oh, my God. I've got to lose weight. And I go to – and my uncle was the pediatrician, so I'd go to him – and his best friend was my doctor. So I'd go to him, the, the diabetes doctor, and he would look at me with this look. It's like the alcoholic, that poor alcoholic, you know, that poor alcoholic. Dude, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just stop drinking? And they would look at me with that same look, like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just stop? Why can't you just lose the weight? And I think this is my experience, too, that we're kind of, a lot of us are overachievers. It wasn't about willpower. I did well in school. I got a job at 15. I was in clubs. I mean, I did all that. Didn't I? I couldn't stop the eating. I couldn't stop. And I used to cry at night going, God, why did you give me this? You know, in all honesty, why couldn't you make me like something that didn't require ugliness in the disease <laughs> like alcoholism? I don't know. But I used to say, why? And I used to walk at night. And then... I, it's funny, I just read this. I was always saying, God, like someone said earlier, just make me thin and pretty, but I still want to eat, you know. 
just make me think that if I only lost the weight, you know, oh, she has such a pretty face. So, okay. so finally, and, and I would eat in secret. Finally, I was in between diets, and it got to a point where I had to maintain, like, 170, 175. I had to be on a diet just to maintain that, because I knew that as soon as I was, I had been so used to being on diets, that as soon as I was off the diet, and I hear people say this, too, like, oh, I wouldn't eat because, you know, it was, it was you know, we didn't eat, so I ate to, to, to lose the weight. I didn't eat to lose the weight or whatever. But, God, I wish I could do that, you know. I would say I was going on a diet, and three days in, I'd be back to where I was before. And then that, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And I was in between, whatever it was, Jenny Craig and Nutrisystem. I did Nutrisystem like three times. I know. And that's doing When you think about it, it's like, that's great. But thank God I don't live like that today because of this program. And then I was in between. And in that week, I gained eight pounds. In that week, because I was so glad to be off of a diet. I was like, oh, finally, you know, I can eat. And then my mother caught me. She caught me one day. And if there's anything I can encourage, this is just my experience. You know, I had to get from A to, to, to C to get from C to E, but I couldn't have gotten to E until I got to C. You know, it was really about just continuously coming back, doing the best I could. Um, when I first came away, my mother caught me binging. And she it was like a deer in headlights. And that was one of my few moments of clarity, like, I've got a problem. I've really got a problem here. But that really wasn't my bottom, but it was the best I could do. And I went to the doggy office in Reseda. And I, I get, you know, it's so funny. I heard someone say earlier, I'm not going to cry. I'm like, cry. We're saving. It's hard. <laughs> you know, without God, it could be really, especially that first year. But anyway, that's my experience. So I remember I came to the OA office at Darby, and I remember seeing the 12 steps on the wall, and I was 18. I was, it was one week before I was 18. And I was in such, I knew I had a problem, and I saw the steps, and I could not comprehend what it meant. That's the truth. I wasn't mature enough. I was in such a food fog. Um, but I kept coming back, and, you know, and when I was at that Darby office, I got that overwhelming feeling of love. Overwhelming. Stronger than I can ever tell you. And everything in me said the, the running stops here. You don't have to keep trying. You don't have to keep running. This is where it's at. And I kept coming back because I wasn't so bad after all. When I came here, I realized, oh, I'm not so bad. You know, other people have this too. They speak the truth here. You know, I kind of felt like nobody ever talked about it. And so when I came here, um, when I came to the Darby office, um, I kept coming back. And here's the thing. I, I did the best I could. I worked steps 1 through 12. I worked steps 1 and 12. I did not work any other steps. So I knew I had a problem with food, and I would talk about this program, you know, to no end. But I hadn't really worked any steps. But I kept coming back. And I did three binges a day. And that was the best I could do because I ate crazy all through the day, all through the night, had no structure because I was trying to control it so badly. When I first came to OA and someone said, do three binges a day, and I got different sponsors, 
I really did the best I could. She said, so I would go, okay, I can eat whatever I want from 6 to 7 in the morning. I get, and then I'd stop at 7. And then I had to figure out what to do between 7 and 11.30, you know. And then I can eat anything I want from 12 to 1. Then I can eat anything I want from 6 to 7. And then I'm done. But the truth is I stopped gaining weight. And I was no longer on a diet. And, and that was my saving grace. Um, things have changed. And we correct things as we go. My abstinent date, though, that was six years before, is November 1st, 1998. And I'll tell you why. Things, so I was maintaining like 170, 175. And I was just glad to not be gaining weight. Um, my blood sugars were still somewhat out of control, but I, I was better. Um, outside things happened to where I knew about steps 4 through 11, but I hadn't worked steps 4 through 11. But I knew that because I kept coming back, that Miriam's mind is messed up and I am diseased. Every person that I allowed in my life, every choice I made in my life, every opportunity I passed up in my life, and people would say, oh, Miriam, she can do it, she can do it. And the whole time I'd go, no, I can't. I'm not what you think I am. I, I can't. And I'd get freaked out. And all of a sudden it hit me, I, I have to change and I can't. And the only way I'm going to change is by working step four. And I'll be candid. You know, I'm married with kids. Who knew? You know, I just wanted to be out of hell. She's like, that's not bad word. That's fine. Okay, I just wanted to be out of, the, you know, that mis- I just wanted to be away from the food. So, I don't know where I was. What was I talking about? Mary, yeah. That's for, oh, okay, for, thank you very much. So, there were a bunch of guys that I had resented, right, growing up and a lot of these guys. So, I did step four and I started and I, and I got a sponsor. I got a sponsor at the Monday Night Miracles, um, that I was very afraid of. Coming after six years, I went to Monday Night Miracles, and I had just been in a very bad relationship, and I allowed this guy in for a year. And finally, it hit me like, Miriam, you are really messed up to let this person in your life. And um, I knew that it was my disease thinking. I paid for guys to hang out with me. I paid for a voice coach who would give me approval. And Charlotte said this. I just spoke to Charlotte. She's got long-term sobriety and abstinence. She said, you need to share this at meetings. I paid for um, a trainer to hang out with me, good-looking guy. Hung out, you know, paying him. But, hey, we're working it. But I'm paying him. I would pay people to give me approval and pay guys. Um, and that was in my inventory. Oh, that's hard to say on a microphone. So what? It's my recovery. It's my story. So anyways, I realized that Miriam, thinking, Miriam has got some messed up ideas about everything. And at the time, I thought that this relationship with this guy was such a curse and horrible, but it's what skyrocketed my program. And when I said, all of a sudden it hit me, I don't know how to change, and I need help. And I don't think I should be maintained. I think I should be less weight than 170. But that wasn't the biggest issue. But I knew that if I kept going this direction, my life was going to be really bad. And I knew that my thinking, my best thinking, can only create misery 
and my best thinking is no good, and I didn't know what to do, and I knew that the program would change me. So I went to Monday Night Miracles, and I shared this, and with all my heart, with sincereness, I said, I'm, I'm scared, and I need help. And a woman looked right at me, and everything in me said, ask her to be your sponsor. I was terrified of her for the first three years of her sponsoring me. I needed someone who was not going to spare my feelings. I needed someone who was going to get me into the literature, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And I would have done anything. If she said, I need you to go pick up a newcomer in Valencia, I need you to take that newcomer to Orange County, and I need you to take that newcomer back to Valencia, I would have done it. Anything to not be in the food. And I looked at it as action, and my sponsor taught me this, that it's really about action. And it says that in um, New Pair of Glasses, Chuck C's New Pair of Glasses. It says that, that really, I put so much time and energy into this disease, I might as well put that much time and energy out of the disease. So I did that. I put, I mean, I'd go to at least a meeting a day, and I loved late-night AA meetings. I'd go to AA meetings then. There was a great one in Malibu on Saturday night. It was great. I wish I could still go, but I'm married with kids, so I can't go anymore. That's okay. But I was abstinent for the first year. I was crazy. Crazy. And, you know, sometimes I hear people with 30 days of abstinence, they're like, oh, life's wonderful. Everything's great. I was, like, shaking and crying at the podium, and the alcoholics would say, you're right on, you know. <laughs> and I go, I'm not, you know, and... I remember being, like, Secretary of Serenity Sunday way back when, and there was this old-timer, and she, she's passed now, Doris Siegel, and she would say, say the 12 steps with conviction, and you say it slowly, and she, and she would kind of preach at me, but I hung on to every word she said, man, because I needed that. I held on to this program for dear life. I still do, but life is so different now. Now, and when I finally learned that I have to surrender my thinking, take suggestion, and they called it direction back then, I heard, I think, I'm pretty sure. They called it direction, but because we alcoholics, we food addicts don't like to be told what to do, we don't have, you know, I know that for me, don't tell me what to do. Um, I'm out of here. But if it's suggested to us <laughs> and we're willing, our lives can really change. So when I was willing to listen to my sponsor and do what she said, she said, write down your food every day and call it in. And I knew that if I did someone else's will, other than my own will, I have a chance. But if I'm still doing Miriam's will, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm screwed. I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to have a horrible, miserable life. Things are going to be really bad. But if I was doing someone else's suggestion, I'm not doing Miriam's will. I'm doing a higher power's will, in a sense. And they say that in the literature, that we can rely on the group. And I did. So she'd say, write down your food and call it in. And I knew that eventually the weight would come off. If it, and I said, God, I don't care if it takes five years. I don't care if it takes ten years. I don't care if it takes fifteen years. I just want things to be better. And I know that you will make me an attraction to newcomers. So I'm going to trust. And this is what they told me. So I'm going to trust what you say and just do the next thing. Freaking out the whole time, by the way. The only way I'm able to do this is with God. Only way. To this day, 
I mean, I still have stuff going on where things are not so bad sometimes. Things are pretty good. Things are really good, actually. But my head can go spinning. Let me tell you, I am an addict. I am never cured. I am never done. I'm always struggling. One day at a time. Some days are easier. Some days are not. The only way I'm able to continuously do this is by working the steps. And it's kind of hard. When I ask God, you know, what do you want me to do? It's usually getting into action of some sort. You know, 95% of the things I do today are things I don't want to do. However, the alternative is to go back into the food. So I'd much rather do these things than go back into the food. She said, write down your food, call it in. So I did. It wasn't about losing weight at first. It was about turning it over to her, giving it over to something, someone. And I did. It wasn't about losing the weight. After about a year of doing this, I said, you know, I haven't really lost any weight yet. So I started calling some of the other women that she had me calling. And the weight started to come off. So she also said, I want you to talk to two people a day in the program. And I struggle with this as a sponsor, with sponsees, because... I call people. I talk to them. You know, these days it's really about, oh, I'm texting my food. Part of me, I struggle with that because I need a person to hear me. You know, I need a person to communicate with. And everyone's different. You know, I know that for me I struggle with that. Or I email my food to someone. You know, I don't check my email every day. Don't email your food to me. Call it in, please. I check. I have three emails, three different emails. You know, I don't, I don't want to be checking my emails all the time. That's just me. Life's too busy now for me, in a good way. So anyways, I called my food into her. I spoke to two women a day, sometimes men too. Hey, no problem. I was, I was single, didn't care. Um, 13 steps. You don't hear that too often anymore, but it does happen. But anyway, and so, <laughs> and my sponsor said the first year, don't date anyone. So you can bet that very first day after my first year, I was dating someone. I was. But she told me, don't date anybody. And they say that in AA too, don't date anyone. So I did it. And so after, and then I got a lot of commitments. I'd go to a meeting a day at least, sometimes two, sometimes three, because I just didn't want to eat. And I had to be somewhere where I felt safe. I felt safe with the hardcore alcoholic addict people. I just, I still feel like I'd rather be on Skid Row than in Brentwood. But that's just my thing, you know? That's just my thing. So I... But I like Brentwood. Brentwood's nice. Don't get me wrong. Sorry. I used to want to live here. And Charlotte, who I just talked to, I remember talking to Charlotte. I had like three years of abstinence. And she was, and I was feeling sorry for myself because I was like, oh, and I moved out of my parents' house when I got abstinence. And I quit the music business because I wasn't making a lot of money in the music business. And it just was kind of feeding me in a bad way. And, uh, and I moved out and I became a teacher. And I remember, because I thought, well, teachers are self-supporting. I learned that in the program. Teachers are self-supporting, and they have health insurance. I needed that for my diabetes. And I need to get out of my parents' house. So I did. And um, I remember being a teacher, and I called Charlotte, and I said, I'm never going to live in Brentwood. And she said, you, you're feeling sorry for yourself. You can drive to Pacoima and then see how you feel, you know. I was like, oh, you know <laughs> Get me in the state. So, anyway, I think it's funny. So, I'm going to share a little bit about what it's like now. After about four to five years of being abstinent, and they would tell me this too. After five years of being abstinent, you're no longer new. Until you have those five years of abstinence, you are a newcomer. 
And I would hold on to that because when I would make mistakes, and I made a lot of them with life stuff, you know, I was told I'm new, so I can screw up, and it's okay. And I would kind of hold on to that. After about five years, um, they told me that my picker in men was very broke. So um, they told me the longer I'm abstinent, the kind of guy that I'm attracted to or that might be attracted to me is going to be different than what I used to be attracted to. Very true. That's been my experience, by the way. So they also say, do the footwork. I learned in this program, do the footwork, do the footwork, read the results up to God. So I did the footwork, and ironically, I went to these dating services. I hated them. There was so much. And I have these stories that are like, oh, my God. But they're funny now. But anyway, so I let it go. I said, God, I'll be alone. I'll work the program. And then I get a phone call from someone, and my dad gave the number to somebody. And this guy calls me, and he's totally clean cut, tall blonde, glasses. Kind of looks like a nerd, you know, not my style. But, um... Really, truly, at the time. But everything in me says, say, say yes to this guy. And I showed up for a date. He asked me out for Friday. And no games. No, like, well, I'm seeing someone else. Maybe I can, but I don't know. <laughs> no games. You know, just want to go out Friday, I'll pick you up. Okay. You know, say yes. No, no excitement in that, like, what's going to happen? And I kept saying yes, kept saying yes, and, um, Three months later, I fell in love with this heart, fell in love with this guy. Did not say yes in any way. In fact, my meetings and the program came first. And uh, I said, God comes first. And he was actually very uh, attracted to the fact that God was number one in my life because God has saved me. God had saved me. God has saved me. Um, and I said, God, and I didn't tell him. He'd go, where are you going on Friday night? You know, why can't you go out? I want to see you. You know, and, well, I'm going to meet some friends. I'd go to a meeting, right, or whatever. I have a commitment. I'm not telling you what that commitment is, but I have a commitment, you know. And eventually, I would tell him. And he'd go, you know what, that's pretty wonderful that you belong to that. To this day, if mommy's got to write, mommy's got to go right. <laughs> and the kids are with daddy, you know. To this day, he supports every single meeting I need to go to. He knows that this program and my belief in a higher power that I need this number one. Otherwise, our family, my sponsor said this to me the other day, because life is very busy right now. And um, my sponsor said, as soon as I think of drifting, the whole family drifts. And that kind of freaks me out. But that's the truth. So my abstinence today, I eat three meals a day. However, being diabetic, sometimes I split up my meals. Um, I eat within a certain amount of allowances every day. I'm always watching it because before you know it, I want to have three string cheeses instead of one. Before you know it, that cake is calling. It comes out of nowhere. So I have to go. I have to make calls. You know, we just had a birthday party for my kids, and I planned it. I, with God's help, I planned it. Okay, God, what do you want me to do next? Okay, God, what do you want me to do next? Oh, my gosh, this mother. What do I do with this mother? How do I act this way? What do I do? You know, there's this constant, God, what do you want me to do? How do I do this? How do I do this, God? How do I do this, God? And it was a lot of work planning for two kids. Like 43 people came. Oh, my gosh. And the parents stayed, you know. And there's cake and there's pizza. I didn't have the pizza. I didn't have the cake. But believe me, that cake was looking pretty darn good. So I waited until the party was over about 7 o'clock, and then I went home, and I ate a dinner that I liked. I had an egg omelet with some vegetables, egg whites, vegetables, you know, 
Not always perfect, by the way. Not always perfect. If my blood sugar is low, I'll have a string cheese and a banana. But if I want to have a granola bar, I need to run it by somebody and be very honest about it. And as long as I call myself on it, it goes away. But I'm always having to be aware. And I think that's what I've learned to in this program is it's not perfection. I, and, you know, this is all my opinion. I sometimes see people say, oh, well, I did this and I got I to start over. You know, and everybody needs to start over in their own way. I understand that. But, you know, we have to eat food three times a day. So, you know, sometimes I feel like we're really hard on ourselves. But there's also that difference of, you know, this is the way it is. For me as a diabetic, I've learned I have to eat in between three meals sometimes. And if my blood sugars are low, I'm going to have something. So that's what I have. Um, food is not an issue today, though. Now it's life, and how do I handle life? My sponsor raised me on the literature and writing. I did an inventory of four steps that took about eight months to do. And uh, when I gave it to her, after all that writing, uh, I gave it to her at this retreat center called the Holy Retreat Center, which is in Encino. And it's so funny, you know, I didn't know what she did for a living until about two, two years in. That's not true. About a year and a half in. And uh, she's an attorney. And so here she is. She's writing down everything I'm reading to her. Very focused. Like, you don't know what's going on behind her face, man. And I'm telling her things that I'm like, oh, man. But I, I don't care, man. I don't want to go back. So I gave it away to her. And she raised me on writing. And after I gave it away, I felt a sense of like, okay, now I'm, now I'm getting somewhere. And I felt a sense of freedom. And I write to this day. Um, now it's life. Okay, so the fast forward how it is today. You know, people go, oh, do you know, really? But I think I have a pretty happy marriage, you know. You know, what's your husband doing on the Internet? You know, you hear these things. He <laughs> <laughs> can work sometimes. It's okay. No, I shouldn't. No. I have a pretty happy marriage. And um, I'm a teacher slash administrator now. It's so funny. I, uh, I run this gifted program at my school with about 400 kids. And I just think it's so funny. If you were to tell me I'd be in charge of anyone gifted, I'd say you were crazy, you know. But it's really just been about showing up. And every morning to this day, I take out a piece of paper before my students come and I set up and I say, Dear God, please guide my mouth and my words. You put me here. Show me what you want me to do. What do you want me to do with the kids today? And then writing comes out. I do it every single day. Life was a lot better when I believed there's a higher power taking care of me. My kids, Brandon is turning 10 next week, Samantha, Sammy, she's tur- she just turned 8. Both kids are incredibly good. You know, I said to God, I just want normal. I don't need gifted, I don't need above, I don't need these ambitious go-getter kids. I just want normal, you know, and they're pretty wonderful. They're pretty impressive, I, I must say. Um, we own a home. We own two cars. Um, my blood sugars, I just went to the doctor to get, they call it an A1C, where you check to see how your blood sugars have been over a period of time. They used to be like 14, which if you're diabetic, that's like you're really in trouble if <laughs> you've got a problem. Now it was uh, 7.1, and they say within the range of 6 to 7. So I'm doing pretty good. Um, I used to run half marathons. I used to run... A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. 
I can't do that as much with my kids now. Um, I wake up at 5.30 every morning. I'm the first one to get up because I need that time. I write to God. I read my meditation book. I write down my food for the day. I call it into somebody at 7.30. I speak to my other, my, my main sponsor. I call my food into somebody else because um, she doesn't need the food anymore. But I need to still give it to somebody. It helps me. Um, so I talked to Aunt, I talked to my sponsor on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But she's had, she was the matron of honor at my wedding. Um, and her kids and my kids are like cousins. We see each other at least once a week. Um, my life is pretty, pretty good. Who knew? Right? People who knew me back then, I was crazy. I was nuts, and I didn't know it. And now I'm pretty humble, and I just want to keep getting better. And I know that there's always um, work on this. And lastly, as soon as I think um, I've got this, I'm really in trouble. My ego does not serve me. It's best if I just know that um, God is doing this for me and I'm willing to do the work. You know, I've worked very, very hard. And I still work very hard. I test my blood sugars five days, five times a day. I've learned in this program that I have to make effort and make and work towards things. And, um, you know, like make up hair, be nice to people, all that stuff. My life is a true gift because of this program. Thanks, let me show you.